Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid, just walk with your Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is November 16th, no, November 15th, 2016. Oh, it's been a while since I've done a show. Uh, went to Germany and showed the film there. It was really well received. It was really nice to show the film outside the United States. And just a little plug for the film, you can watch it on Amazon Prime for free. Uh, Amazon, and I think it's $1.99 to rent it and $3.99 to buy it. So it's on Amazon. Please take a look and uh, write a review. Um, throw tomatoes at it, whatever you want. I'm glad it's up there. Uh, and it's out there in Germany and France and in Japan. So it's good. Well, today we have a really good show. I think this is going to be a great show. I got to meet Scott uh, in Berlin. He's a pilot coming to us from the northwest of the United States and was forced uh, extorted, as I was taught by my lawyer, uh, coerced is one thing, but being extorted is illegal to do. So that's I tell you that you better do this or else you can't fly, you better do this or you can't be a nurse, you better do this. You actually have to go to Alcoholics Anonymous in a way that would make your head spin. So I just want you all to know that I posted this contract that pilots have to sign when they are members, uh, when they are forced down this road, and on the second page, about halfway down, number nine, it says, I will attend meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous on a daily basis for at least three months and a minimum of 12 times per month thereafter. Daily attendance through medical recertification is recommended. The aftercare counselor will assist me in locating such meetings which are listed in the aftercare plan. I will record the date, name of the AA and NA group, and the meeting location in my pilot's aftercare log. So just for you to know that you may be in an airplane that's being flown by somebody who's being forced down this nasty road. Well, without further delay, I'm going to bring on Scott. Here we go. Hey, Scott, you're live. Hey, hey Monica. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. okay. Glad to be here. Right, I'm glad to to have you on. Um, all right, so let's start out uh, first. For anyone who's listening, there's nobody in the chat room. Just in case, if you want to go into the chat room, you have to go to the website blogtalkradio.com/forward/slash/safe-recovery, 
and then you find yourself the chat. I think you can. You have to sign in, but you can get in there anonymously. You can make your own, use your name and and chat in the chat room. Okay, so um, let's start with just a, a little introduction of what happened to you with your medical license. Well, essentially, I'm a pilot, and I originally was suffering from anxiety due to a medical condition that I have. I actually took myself off flying. Part of the problem was exasperated by my drinking. I admit that. Um, Interestingly enough, the drinking actually helps the condition, but also has adverse effects, obviously. Uh, During my time off, I quit drinking and decided that was a better route for me to go. Um, during the time off, I had taken a, an antidepressant, and to get back flying, I would either go through another hoop or just stop taking it for six months, which I did. So I waited the six months. Um, because I had taken the antidepressant, I had to go to a psychiatrist. Unfortunately, the psychiatrist I chose was one that was deeply involved with addiction, specifically AA, and basically wrote a letter for me that said everything was good to go. Oh, and by the way, his alcohol problem is in remission, um, which was ridiculous. But in any Uh case, I did get my medical back. I went to my doctor. I did tell him the whole story. Um, He said, that's great. We like to stop this before it becomes a problem. I said, not a problem. And I got my medical, and I went back to work. Um, I was working for three months without problems, no issues whatsoever, but the FAA insisted that they get the notes from this doctor that had written the letter. So he, they required me to hand over the notes from all of our sessions, which is where I spoke what I thought was confidence, but apparently is not. So I was forced to give that to the FAA. When they got that, they immediately revoked my medical license and said that my only option would be to go into the HIMSS program. At the time, I didn't know much about the HIMSS program. Basically, I knew it was a a program for pilots that had problems with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's important to note at this point, I don't have a DUI. I didn't show up to work drunk. Um, This is all just me dealing with an issue in my home, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ended up having to get a medical sponsor, which was a doctor in um, Denver, And basically, he said that there would be no other option but to go to rehab, which I resisted. I got in contact with our HIMSS program through our union and had to speak with the HIMSS chairman. And he basically had the same message, you have to go to rehab for 30 days. And I said, but I haven't had a drink in over a year. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. And they said that the FAA would be expecting that to be to be done. So in September, after 15 months of sobriety, again without problems, um, I wa- reluctantly went to a rehab in Southern California at my expense, mine and my insurance. They had to get a special dispensation for my insurance because it wasn't covered or necessary medically. And I went to rehab Stone cold sober. People that showed up there um, often took the last night of freedom and either showed up really hungover or really drunk. And <laughs> I showed up after 15 months of sobriety wearing my my uniform clothes, basically, 
and everyone there thought I was a doctor. Wow. So I proceeded to live out 30 days in, in this rehab, trying to do what they told me to do. Now, the program I was hoping would have something useful, because that's kind of what I was promised by the hymns person. Right. And essentially, it turned into basically just one huge AA exercise, um, where we had to physically write out steps one through six. Uh, one of the first questions I was asked by my counselor was whether or not I believed in God. And unfortunately, at the time, I was in sort of a cooperate and graduate mode. So I said, yes, I do, which I do. Not that it's any of the government's business, mm-hmm. I believe. And we went from there. Um, I did not write the things that they wanted me to say, specifically that I was powerless, which I am not, that I'm insane, which I am not. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my diagnosis at the end of the 30 days, which I personally did not see, it was given to everyone else but me, said that I was a dry drunk, which essentially means I don't accept AA penance, which I don't. Wow. Um, the bit of psychological um, information that was given was poorly presented. It was very cursory, very much an overview, um, something you might get from a Wikipedia page. And no time was it ever presented in a, in a an effective way to say this is how it will help you maintain sobriety. I'm just looking at the page of um, Casa yeah. Palmera. Uh, if anybody else is listening out there and was forced to go here as a pilot, um, you could contact us. Uh, we're going to take some callers later, but Casa Palmera in Del Mar, California. Now, there's a long $30, list. $30,000. $30,000. Okay. You can get can I, that. Um, all right, so I'm going to name off a few names. You tell me if you knew them or it's changed. Dan Valentine, he's the executive director. Barbara Woods. Um, Barbara Woods, I know. Director. A.J. Foster, yeah. internist. Bob Bradley no. Sanders. Uh, Camilla no. Pratt-Clark. Irene. No, wow. Jason Kornberg, psychiatrist. Uh, he might be the head psychiatrist that I met with occasionally. He basically mm-hmm. drugged me. He was the only psychiatrist that I know of in that in that facility, and I got drugged in twice to his office, basically just to for a how's it going kind of meeting, mm-hmm. you know. And what could I That's say? It. It's like uh, just trying to get through it. Um, wow, there's a lot of people here, which means they make a lot of money. How many people were there? Like that they can they hold in one time? Um, I'd probably say. 20, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. They had uh, double rooms and single rooms. Um, one of the other pilots had a single room because his company paid for it. I had to share a room with uh, you know, a fellow addict who was a meth addict. Turns out he was a very nice guy. I quite enjoyed okay. his company. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he left, I, you know, there was a heroin addict that came in, and he was totally out of, out of it. And he was probably a nice guy too, but I didn't really get to know him that well. Um, did you know you could review them on Yelp? Did you re- did you give him a yeah, bad review on I've Yelp? Been, I'm going to give him a bad review. So. Yeah, they're um, here. They are. It's a place you can review them, and uh, mm-hmm. and they only let's see how many they have. They have a really bad one here. 
really bad yeah. experience um, back. This is just recently posted um, at the end of October. I would do that. I would. Um, there's another yeah. really bad one. There's a one. There's a three. There's a three one. Okay. So I uh, got yeah. a little off track. It's okay. Um, so, but so I never know sometimes what you know people can happen. So here we are now. You go there with 15 months um, sober. And they don't right. know what to really do with you. I'd like to really deal with this because 30 days is a long time. Um, were you ever made to go to AA meetings? Were you driven to AA meetings outside of the the place, or were they all held? Absolutely. As part of my treatment plan, I was required to go to a minimum of three AA meetings per week. And one of the AA meetings did hold on the campus there, mm-hmm. um, which the only unfortunate thing about that was they didn't have real coffee. And I was actually kind of glad to go to the AA meetings just to get out of there. It was a, a way to escape the prison, if you will, yeah. and uh, go have a real cup of coffee. And, yeah, I can sit through an AA meeting, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they took us to various different ones. Um, I'm not completely familiar with the area, but there was a, a three or four that we went to throughout the month. And you were taken, like, in a white van, a group of you? Precisely, Yes. Yeah, um, isn't that very you know? Wow, pilot who like never even got into trouble. You know, it's interesting that uh, having met you, it was really when we were sitting and talking in Berlin. Um, you know, some meal that we had with you and my mom, that mm-hmm. it dawned on me. You know, and it's weird. I made the film. I did all this research. It was all about you know ex- exposing you know extort you know people being sent bad people you know violent criminals right. sex offenders. Right. And it. Dawned on me that you, so here you have a guy who has, any guy, like you could say Eric Earl, who um, was beating up women, almost killed his mother, he had a lot of restraining orders, and he gets arrested, he's drunk, and he gets in front of a, um, gets in front of a judge, and he gets offered to go to one uh, meeting a week, or go to a year in jail, and because of uh-huh. an attorney, he gets to go to one meeting a week, and goes, right. and then eventually he winds up in the place where he did, where he met Carla, which was sort of a religious sober living. It wasn't even a rehab. Mm-hmm. I've come to find out. Um, it looks like a you know a decent AA hall, but that's not the point. The point is that he is a criminal, that he is a violent offender, and he was given more freedoms mm-hmm. than you. Yeah, but you know, as they say, we're held to a higher standard, whatever that means. Well, until you're held to a higher, a more intensive, restrictive AA standard that's infested in hymns and with the FAA. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the higher AA is not a higher standard than any other kind of. Uh-huh. Like, can you imagine any pilot as you're going down, going, "Oh, I'm powerless. I got to turn it over," you know? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I think. What was it like in there? Let's see. Okay, so you're in there, and then you get out. Let's go to tell the whole story, because it's a really horror story, and I want you to get to tell it all. So you you leave there, but before you leave, what happens? They sit you down, they tell you stuff. What's the next process? Oh, I I had to meet with the union rep, and I was told that I would have to explain how grateful I was and how much um, good came of my month in, in rehab which mm-hmm. really got me wrong because I couldn't think of anything other than taking a month out of my life um, that was good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, when he showed up, he didn't ask me that question specifically, but basically yeah. went over the contract that you um, put up on the Facebook page and made me read it word for word out loud 
so that I would understand it and there would be no misunderstanding about the meaning of the contract. Wow. And then I was made to sign it. Um, you know, again, at that point, I would have signed anything to get out of there. At the very end, the counselor that, that I dealt with, who was horrible, um, joked that I that I might want to stay another week. And I was like, yeah, right. No, I will. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you know, he had a, he had a habit of, um, like, for example, I had to list uh, my triggers that might actually, you know, cause me to drink again. Um, and he didn't like it, so he just changed it. And it's like, well, those aren't my answers now. But I signed it anyway just to get out of there. Wow. So, you know, so you he, know, he was incredibly, I mean, the thing about the counselor was he was incredibly manipulative from even how he sat in the room. I was made to sit on a couch and he would take a straight back chair and sit in front of me so that he was higher. So that physically he was intimidating to me. Again, if I was in a weakened state mentally, I might succumb to that kind of intimidation. But being, you know, 15, 16 months sober, it was like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. And it was just very, very transparent what he was trying to do. Wow. Anybody he was very supportive. And no matter yeah. what you answered, he could twist yeah. your answer to fit into an AA slogan. Okay. Well, who is, what's this guy's name? Is this Bob? No, it's David Gray. Let me see if he's still there. I'm sure he is. Praise Jesus, right, for the Internet. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 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 Um, AJ, Bob Bradley Sanders, medical director. um, No, no, David David Gray. Oh, David Gray. Okay, let's see if he's here. Oh, yeah, yeah, there there he is. Okay, so he's a big, David Gray is a licensed LMFT, certified alcohol in the California. Yeah, he's he's extremely, let's see what it says here. He's extremely something. Um, anyway, so he is—he's an LMFT, which I know what that is, and he's a CAC, which is like nothing. It's like really easy to get that, and um, extremely uh-huh. knowledgeable in all aspects of addiction and recovery. Um, whatever. So it sounds like he's probably an AA member. We could find that out. Um, well, his his big claim to fame is he went through rehab five times. Oh my God. Yeah, five times, and he told me that when he wrote out his step of um, moral defects, he wrote 80 pages. Front and back. I would. Wow, 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 wow. I, I can't think of really anything to put down right now. I'm, hmm. I'm basically a pretty good person. Not yeah, but, so those are, I want, there's people who just kind of logged in, so there are people in the chat yeah. room that actually know some people that are in the chat room here. Um, I, um, so I want to just tell everybody we're talking to Scott. He is, we're going to leave his last name off here just for now, but he's in the deprogramming group, so if you're, um, in that group, you would know Scott. Uh, and he um, is a pilot still. He was a pilot for how many years did you fly for? Um, I've been with my current company 15 years. Okay, so he flew. We never got into trouble, so there are a couple people that logged on late. Um, he didn't even self-report, which is, means that he got into trouble, and you know, he said, oh, I, I, other pilots I've talked to, I'm going to go get help, and then they go down this crazy trail. Um, and, right. and so he didn't, Scott didn't even do that. I'm just kind of filling them in quickly. And so here we are where he was forced sober, 15 months sober, by the FAA to join, to go to rehab in Casa 
Prasapomara, so am I saying it right now? Um, and um, when the people thought he was like a doctor, he had his shit together so well. Uh, so we're now at the point where he's leaving, and we're going to hear the whole story, which is a horror story. But I really want, if you're listening, anybody is listening, we need lawyers to help here. Because this is going on with doctors and with nurses, and it probably is going on with other people. But right now we're going to focus on people who are real high-level professionals, and they're you know making them go to these places when they don't even need to go there. Um, you can reach me at makeaasafer at gmail.com. And don't be afraid of that email. It's an old one, makeaasafer at gmail.com. And if you're a lawyer and you're interested in helping in any way, um, you know, Scott actually, you know, well, anyway, we'll get to that point. But um, there's something that is really, really frightening. Uh, you could go to leavingaa.com, and I have posted this contract. And I, I'm not going to read it all, but I do want to um, – I posted it everywhere that people should be completely outraged that this professional pilot who was not – drinking and flying a plane um, was forced to sign and even that this is like a standard with the FAA. All right, so let's go back to the story um, where we left off, which is right before you leave, you're forced to read the contract out loud. Out <laughs> loud, sign um, Did you refuse to sign it? Is. Did you sign it or not? Yes, I did sign it. Again, okay. I just wanted to get out of there. I would have done okay, anything yeah. to leave. That's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I don't know how valid contracts are if they're signed under duress, but in any case, um, yeah, yeah um, part of my um, exit plan or aftercare plan was that I would have to go to 90 meetings of AA in 90 days, and also I would have to go to an aftercare facility here in Seattle, um, which I did, and basically that involved going to a weekly group meeting of pilots which was fine it really wasn't too horrible um they seemed open to non-aa solutions mm-hmm. as much as the rest of the program is not um basically we just kind of discussed actually the people that started doing it that left the program they actually had a good plan every day they had a topic to discuss and we would you know discuss that topic was actually somewhat beneficial in a way. This was the um, aftercare program? I'm this sorry. This was the aftercare program. Uh-huh. Okay. And who was this run by? I don't know who it's run by, but it's uh, Eastside Family Center, something like that. Oh, up where you live? Up where I live, yeah. Oh, oh okay. So you went to, and how long was the aftercare program? Well, that's part of the issue. There's no end date ever given. Apparently, I had to go and go and go, and so I did that. I went every week, and in addition to the group meetings, which are held every Tuesday, I had to meet with uh, a psychologist for a one-on-one and wasn't really impressed with any of that either. Mm -hmm. But I went to it. You know, occasionally there was some homework I would have to do with some ridiculous book, um, what would I do if I was offered alcohol? Oh, like I put down, I said, if I wanted to drink it, I'd drink it, <laughs> which wasn't mm-hmm. a popular answer, but, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I did that. The only day I missed was in January, and I told them that was because I had to do the what they call P&P, which is 
a psychological test that I had to pay for. It cost $2,000. Basically, it's wow. a day-long test with a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of uh, memory muscle things with the computer. Um, uh, comprehension. There was word tests. Um, it was a long day. And, again, it was $2,000 out of pocket that I had to pay. Wow. And and who made you? Is the FAA who makes you take it? That's part of the FAA. They make you okay, do what does PNP stand for, Scott? Oh, I wish I could remember, Monica. <laughs> okay, something that's okay. Don't I worry about it. it no, 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 it's fine. Um, okay. Um, the other thing I... that I'd like, I guess I've forgotten to point out was prior to all of this process starting is I did go see a him-specific psychiatrist and describe my problem. He's like, well, yeah, you seem okay, and that should be okay, and basically wrote a letter on my behalf that said, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. So with that letter, which wasn't good enough to the medical sponsor I contacted in Denver, basically he told me it wasn't worth the paper it was written on. In fact, he told me that word for word. Uh, um, but with that letter, um, the disability insurance that I pay for and that my company pays for wouldn't pay me anything. So so since a year ago, June, I've had no income. So how are you making ends meet? I mean, I know, but, 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 but let's let the listeners know. So how are you, like, you know, what are you doing for work? Or? Oh, I, I had some real estate that I sold. Um, I had some I had some money that I put in the bank for, you know, in case I got sick. That's what it was for. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not sick. I'm just having to blow through that money, which I've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been doing odd jobs here and there, and, putting my resume out, trying to find a job to, so I don't lose my house. Right, right. Are you going to do uh, a GoFundMe page? I am. I've got it started. I just need to sit down and write the uh, description. Okay, so everybody listening, everyone listen to this, um, you follow me on Facebook or on Leaving AA for when Scott does it. Um, you can maybe help uh, with this, uh, you know, support to pay for um, the lawyer. And, um, yeah, that'd be for legal fees. I mean, I, I wouldn't legal. expect that for you know, paying for groceries or anything, but right, <laughs> legal fees. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we. I mean, I think we need to do more that we talked about, which is get people to, you know, uh, some people who can help in this way with lawyers who very hard mm-hmm. like the case with Barry Hazel. Um, if you're unfamiliar mm-hmm. with that, the listeners, uh, Barry Hazel was a force. He was actually, um, uh, you know, did drugs, had a drug problem. And um, was forced to go to a uh, rehab that was Christian when he already told them. Long story short, mm-hmm. uh, he sued the the probation officer. He sued the, sued the state of California, and he sued the rehab, and he won. And he won mm-hmm. almost two million dollars. And his name is Barry Hazel. You can look him up. Those listeners out there, H A Z L E. And John Heller mm-hmm. was his attorney, and made the news. And I think it's an important precedent. Because um, I think people have to say no; they can't play the game. You have to say, "I'm absolutely will not do this," which eventually you do. And I, I do believe that if you're forced um, to sign a contract under duress, that you could certainly fight that. And uh, you know, because you were sober. Okay, so let's go to the next uh, stage. So you went to that, and then the, so he tells you it's not as good as the paper written on the guy in Denver, the medical sponsor. Yeah. You noticed everybody how we're talking that they all are called sponsors, um, the AA right. language. Uh, it's very frightening if you were to go on Birds of a Feather, those folks who are listening out there, and see um, what this whole system is. Uh, it's re- really scary. Okay, so then what happens next, Scott? 
Interestingly enough, uh, just that you mentioned birds of the feather, we did go to birds of the feather meeting and meetings in in San Diego, but I was told it wouldn't count up here, which <laughs> didn't make any sense. But they said that wouldn't count. I'm like, hmm. all right, whatever. It's not convenient to where I live, wow. but um, in any case, uh, basically, I just uh, have spent the first part of this year continuing to go to the pilot meetings and doing what they asked me to do um, and waiting for something to happen. And it got to be this summer, and essentially I'm running out of money, and I'm not going to spend any more money on it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at some point, you know, it would be one thing if I was working and having to go to these meetings. That might be financially acceptable. But uh, at this point, you know, I've got to do what I have to do to continue my life. Not to mention right. I'm just sort of sick of talking about it. Um, this is something that's past history to me, and they, they want me to relive it every time I, I talk to them. Did you ever talk to your um, United Healthcare and tell them that you never received any kind of um, medical treatment that they paid for? Um, I did not, no. I mean, it's uh, one thing I think if Prior to going down, they did have to have it uh, approved as a non-medical necessity, something to that effect. Yeah, so um, that's like bullshit. So I'm just like, we can make notes of ways that everybody can stir this up, is by every person. Yeah, well, just an idea. You know, you call them and say, I, I didn't get any medical treatment. You're wasting your money. Why are you doing this? This is fraud. Like, I didn't get any medical treatment, so why is my health insurance paying for this stuff? They'll claim it. They'll claim it is medical because they do have a doctor come in who's moonlighting. Comes in the evening. I got a physical examination um, at the beginning and a drug test, which I passed. Um, and they did take my blood pressure every day. And they had a nurse there that uh, basically doled out whatever medication I had been prescribed. Okay. Um, so. Let me. Can we go back to? Remember we talked earlier. Um, and the, and somebody said something to you on the like order of like that uh, you had to pray to a higher power or something to fly an airplane. Who was that who said that to you? Oh, the medical sponsor. Um, I've been looking at alternatives to AA, and um, one of the suggestions was a, was a Buddhist group. And I did go to the Buddhist group, and it was okay. It was fine. Um, not as AA-oriented. Um, but when I told the medical sponsor about that, he said, well, they use the 12 steps, don't they? And I said, I guess they do. And basically was told that the FA is really big on the 12 steps, and they're, um, it's got to include a higher power, basically, is what, what he said the FA's position is. Um, which, you know, <laughs> who knows? Really crazy, huh? Uh, well, and also, I, did, I, did go, I did go to yeah, the go smart meeting. I don't know if they uh -huh. were approved or not. And that was refreshing. Oh, that's good. I'm sure that yeah, helped your brain. It made you feel sane, right? It helped you feel a little saner going there than an AA meeting? It did, yeah. And it's just nice to know that there's an option out there. And I'm really big on promoting that. I know when I spoke with my personal physician about all of this, he had no idea that there were other options out there. Mm -hmm. So the level of education in the medical profession is needs to be improved. Yeah, serious. I have a neighbor who's a doctor, 
And um, uh-huh. when he saw the movie, he was like, oh, my God, Monica, you need to speak, like, in front of 200 doctors. Like, this is on Everybody just sends. It was really nice to talk to him. He's probably in his, um, I don't know, I think he's maybe in late 50s and said, everybody, we all just think AA is this nice support group. Yeah. That works really well. Like, really, he was, he was so such a great practitioner and um but to see his expression and how he the doctor who has a really really good practice in uh, Santa Monica um uh-huh. how they viewed it and was very shocked and I I gave them pamphlets and his wife took them and you know the ones that say to professionals and to somebody of that just educates people I think if you're out there and you are willing to give um your doctor your lawyer an Indian chief a nurse um anybody your CPA a pamphlet that we have made I have made you could message me at Facebook, and if you're willing, I could send you, you know, ten copies of this literature, and um, you could begin to just pass the word around to professionals. I think it's really um, important. I want to ask you. There's a there's guy John Stewart who um, is a really great guy. I met him in um, in London, and he's asking some questions. Can I ask you the questions he's asking? Sure. All right. So um, he I, said. First, he said. He said, tell Scott, thanks for being brave enough to take part in this. It's going to help others, I'm sure. He said, does the FAA force pilots into rehab because of the insurance issues? Does this mean that airlines can get better insurance against accident or injury of their passengers as a result? Um, Honestly, I do not know the answer to that, John. I would say, I would make an educated guess that the answer is no. Um, basically, this is the FAA making a show for public consumption that they are doing something to combat a problem that may are, you know, I'm sure there is a problem. There are people that, that do make this mistake, and this is their solution. Mm-hmm. Prior to 1973, basically, there was no avenue to regain your medical certificate. Right. And I think I think you said Monica, this whole program began in 1973. Yeah, I think um, so early 70s. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the highlight of you know when AA was really big and there were no other options, um, which has basically designed the whole program is designed with that mindset in place. There's no room for harm reduction. There's no room for Options other than AA, secular options, and this is this is their solution. This is what you'll do. Um, and no, just no, on a, no, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to oh, say that AA, AA wasn't very big then. So in the seventies, Gabrielle Gaither, when she wrote um, uh, "Why Women Drink and How They Should Regain Control," did a lot of searching and. She said to me, you know, Monica, you joined AA when, like, the masses joined. So in 73, it was still small. It was only a quarter of a million people in Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. In 1975, Dick Van Dyke and um, two senators who were in AA, um, yeah. and there was another broadcaster held a press conference. And you can see the press conference. They used the, the clip um, in the Anonymous movie. Um, but there, I'm sure you could find it online, or maybe you could. But that's when it began to grow. So there was a huge spike, and then there were a couple of big movies um, and a couple of stars that uh, their storylines in. Um, uh, I want to say it was one of those daytime serials. Uh, I think All My Children, 
one of the characters uh-huh. goes to AA. So there was a, that was when it really grew. Huge, huge, big push. Then lots of movies um, made over and over and over again with the end going to Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, the thing uh-huh. that I, I see as a problem, I remember when Harry Lake told me, because he worked for Pan American, and Harry created uh-huh. the first EAP program with pilots and, um, and airlines. Like, I knew him. And I was really, I thought it was really wrong. I said it's a violation of the third tradition of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the desire to drink, you know, stop drinking should be coming from that person. And that's the only thing that right. should motivate somebody for being there. Nobody should be forced there. Um, we know that they right. forced all the military because they used to come to our meetings in large buses mm-hmm. filled with like 40 guys. Like they'd come to a meeting where there were eight <laughs> of us sitting. Right. They would sit at the edge of the meeting, and anyway, regardless, but really, really messed up. Um, So once again, we're talking to Scott. He's a pilot from the Northwest. He's been a pilot for over 15 years, Um, did not have a problem at work with alcohol, and yet was forced um, sober into the HIMS program. It's spelled H-I-M-S. If you look on leavingaa.com, I put a link to this insane contract, and um, I'm going to read this right now. In the middle of page two, it says number nine. I will attend. And by the way, Scott will attest to this, right, that he had to, he read this out loud, and then he had to sign it. This is what all they make all the pilots do. I will attend yes. meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous on a daily basis for at least three months and a minimum of 12 times per month thereafter. Daily attendance through medical recertification is recommended. The aftercare counselor will assist me in locating such meetings, which are listed in the aftercare plan. I will record the date, name of the AA and NA group, and the meeting location in my pilot's aftercare log. I agree. Uh-huh. Number 10, I agree to attend a special AA meeting in, quotes, birds of a feather, at a regular meeting place on a weekly basis if available. I, listen to this one. This one is really crazy. I agree to continue my education into the disease of alcoholism by attending educational lectures, seminars, and workshops as scheduled by participants involved in my aftercare program. And then it goes on that you have to have your, you have to have my AA. And, oh, my God. I agree to select and communicate with my AA or NA sponsor at least three times a week. I mean, even regular people don't talk to their AA sponsor that often. Right. Noting the date and the duration of the communication, the date and the duration of the communication yeah. in my pilot's mm-hmm. After log test. And you know what else that it says at this one, at the very beginning, which I think is quite shocking. It says, oh, number 19. I understand that for the purpose of this contract, alcoholism shall be construed to include alcohol abuse. Well, that's not true. Alcohol abuse yeah. is not alcohol addiction. Hence, it's not alcoholism. Oh, all these people well, are bad. All these people, are like, these people need to be like, this stuff has to change. Right. Well, you know, yeah. they, you know, all the FAs are real big on the disease concept, so so that's their big push. It's a disease, which I don't believe. Right. Well, it's not uh, a disease. It's not, we don't no. have to. I mean, you know, plant studies. If it were a disease, you wouldn't. Okay. Here's the, if I, you know what this whole fight with that, and the, somebody said something, and it kind of stuck with me. If it, okay, yeah. if it is a disease, why are you going to a church basement? To talk to exactly. other people about your brain disease. Why are you talking to exactly. a layperson, some old batshit crazy lady who's got 25? Why, why are you going there? If it's a real disease, why aren't you going to GP? Why aren't you going to a doctor or a psychiatrist? And also, psychiatrists don't treat diseases either. A therapist yeah. don't treat diseases either. Somebody no. who has a six, you know, who's a counselor, 
that's not a disease. No, I know. There might be mental health issues, but you still, if I had a real mental health issue, if I had chronic depression, first of all, I would mm-hmm. not go to someone who, had, who was a counselor who had, a, who had a degree that took him six months to get it. Or no. with someone else who suffered from depression, so now he's going to treat me. No. Right? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the other, kind of leads into the other issue is, you know, the whole thing's based on AA and you have sponsors. So I had a company sponsor that I had to talk to and divulge my life to. I had to talk to a, a another pilot, a company or a pilot sponsor, and divulge my whole life for their approval. In fact, you know, they all have to be okay with how my life is in addition to the medical sponsors. So now I'm having to talk to three people, two of which aren't in any way medically qualified to deal with this. In addition to having to journal my life for, for the um, medical sponsor and for his or her approval, which I have a problem with. Yeah, well, I mean, I could see why you have no. a problem. I would have never gone to an AA meeting if I, first of all, if I knew seven months later they were going to tell me that I, if I didn't admit that I was powerless, which I said yeah. I'm not powerless because I quit drinking on my own. Which you know? I did say. Yeah, you said that too. Uh, what did they say to that? Well, that's where I got the dry drunk uh, diagnosis. Who said you were a dry drunk? Uh, David Gray. That was that yeah. was part of my prognosis. That and I will have a resentment more than I could possibly know. Well, if yeah. I can't know it then, <laughs> mm. how will it affect me? So. so, yeah, yeah. What what made you finally say I need to go to a lawyer and I need to fight back and sue somebody? Well, there's no there's no solution happening. There's no like you will be done on this date. It's just sort of never ending. People would ask me, you know, friends and family, well, when are you going to go back to work? I don't know. No one will tell me. And that would just make me mad. And basically I'm just being drained financially with no end in sight. For for nothing, you know, I, I, as I point out, I didn't drink when I started this process, and I don't drink now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um. We have 17 yeah. and a half minutes left, and we're talking to Scott. Sure. He's a pilot. And um, we hope we're going to get him back flying in the air and not by playing the hymns game. Um, yeah. uh, we are going to take um, any caller who has any questions for Scott at the number we'll call in is 818-475-9211. Again, it's 818-475-9211. We'll take callers in about maybe five or ten minutes at the, sort of the end of the show. Um, here, let me, let me, um, there's another question from John. Um, are the pilots sponsoring other pilots insured for the medical advice they're giving out? You need insurance to give medical and legal advice. Hmm. Uh, I would say no, they are not. They're not being paid to be on this committee. They are just sharing their personal experience for AA. Um, you know, and I've got nothing against the, the guy that I had to deal with. He's a nice enough guy, and we met a couple times and chatted, you know, casually. But, uh, again, what does that have to do with anything? 
you know, they can test me, which, you know, they act like this is some sort of new thing, but they have the right to test me, test any pilot at any time, mm-hmm. and including random, which is fine. However, mm-hmm. the test that I'm being made to take is a test that uh, checks for an enzyme to see if I've had any alcohol within the past five days. Yeah, tell us about so that. I know about that. Tell the listeners about how how extreme this testing is. The testing, um, I forget the exact name, but the test for an enzyme that is created in your body when you drink alcohol. However, this enzyme can also be created if you use cologne, hand sanitizer, um, mouthwash with alcohol in it. Um, if you eat food that's been cooked in alcohol, it possibly could uh, create this enzyme. Mm-hmm. And they do tell you that up front, but suddenly there's a whole list of things that you can't do for fear it might trigger this test. Mm. I mean, it's not testing for intoxication. It's testing for abstinence, another AA concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. He's here. He said, Scott, you're doing a great job again speaking out. Thank you. Um, are the pilots oh, – well, he already asked you that um, – I think that's interesting uh-huh. what he said about the um, advice, but that's going on in AA where a lot of sponsors are giving medical advice. And, um, right. You know, and people have killed themselves. I think that's that will be the next. Uh, I think that someday there will be lawsuits. I, I believe there was one already in New York that was sealed. Good. Um, yeah. yeah, but it was the fact that it was sealed and we uh, doesn't help the case with other people. But anyway, um, what is... What made you say, okay, well, you see, you already kind of told me that. What happened, um, oh, well, let's start with finding a lawyer who would take your case. How many lawyers did you call? Oh, probably easily half a dozen. And one had a, um, invest in, and they were dealing with my company, so they couldn't do it due to conflict of interest. Others didn't, um, it wasn't their specialty. I finally found one that I've dealt with, and... Essentially, he's done his research and gotten back to me, and basically my option is to go back in the HIMSS program without doing AA. There are some other options that are possible, but the rest of the HIMSS program stands. And, and what is that, though, that you object to, which I agree to your objection to? It. Let's tell the listeners of if you said, okay, I'll play that game, but I won't go to AA, tell them all the other right. things you would have to do. I have to journal my life. I have to meet with uh company officials and divulge my private life, which is really amazing. Also a a co-pilot, I have to tell them my personal life. Um, um, They're going to want me to go to uh, smart meetings or something for the next, you know, three years. I don't see any point in that, really. Um, My life is just fine. I'm not struggling with anything. Um, I mean, which is great. Some people might need that. And that's great. If that's, you know, what they want to do. There's no room in the program that anybody's really on my side. Um, the company and the FAA and my union are all lined up to make me do something. Right, wrong, or indifferent. There's no room for appeal. There's no you can appeal, but you get the same answer back. 
What, I mean, no, just, I, yeah, go ahead. I want to ask you something about how we can create change. Finish with your, your thought. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've lost my train of thought there. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, this is really a, this is big. Like, I can start by calling the head of the FAA, the head of, you know, and begin talking to them. But how do you see us, you know, getting AA out of any kind of treatment with um, with pilots who want help or need help? How, how hard do you think that's going to be for me and you? Very hard. Um, you know, in addition to your movie, there's also a movie called The Business of Recovery, yeah, which covers rehab, and I can I can tell you everything that movie is correct. Mm-hmm. Good um, movie. Things I saw. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very good movie. As That's is really yours. good. Um, Thank you. But uh, you know, it was shocking to me that all that was was a big giant AA meeting. <laughs> for, Sorry, what was the big giant AA meeting? Oh, going to rehab for a month. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, they designed, they took like AA the steps, and they. I was around people who, you know, really were doing a lot of twelve step for free in Hawaii. They were big. I mean, they were. One of them was my sponsor, who I watched them both change as they got mm-hmm. paid for it, and uh, you know, um, were running Hinamaka, which was a rehab, and uh, they were like making groups and then taking the. The twelve, you know, the twelve and twelve, and trying to make the steps into the, the what they call now twelve-step facilitation, which is to me actual mm-hmm. bullshit. Like it's just like really, like even hardcore old AA members would say you only write a few of the steps. You write the fourth step, that's it, and then you write, um, you know, a list of people you harmed, and you know, you, you do in like a spot right, ten step right. But everything else, when people started coming to meetings and saying, and this is the way AA was more, began to morph and change and be influenced yeah. by rehab, not AA influencing rehab. They took it and right. said, we, we can make money, and we all can go get our degrees, and we can make good money. This is going to be, I mean, people were all excited, these people who had no fucking lives. Yeah. You know, uh, and I mean, anyway, it's pretty upsetting. Do you think it's it's a big it's a it's really hard, but we're not going to give up. Somebody said here, here's a blog I wrote explaining about let me see about um I want to wish anyway I don't know and people are like contacting me on social media as we're talking here. I can't believe it. multitasking. Uh, That's all right. Um, uh, so we have about ten minutes left to the show. Um, I'm going to take a call now. Well, if anybody do yeah, go ahead. Hmm? One thing about the uh, success rate. One of the things they told me after they got my money in rehab was that the failure rate was over 70%, which they seemed almost happy to tell me. But then they're also happy to tell you that the HIMSS program per se is wildly successful. You know, 90 plus percent of the people, you know, do the program. And I think that has to do a lot with the type of people that are in the program, pilots who are cooperating and graduating are motivated to get back to work. Um, it doesn't surprise me that people, I mean, I've talked to a lot of pilots that are not happy once they've gotten into this program. They think it's completely out of control, but they're cooperating and graduating to get back to work. So uh, where could I reach all these pilots? How could we reach them? Oh, that's a good question, Monica, because they don't like to be identified. 
that's mm-hmm. part of the uh, the part of why I'm talking out a little bit here is that I think part of what the FA is counting on is people won't be speaking out. Well, could we so. go to like the the um, hotels where they all stay in the lobbies and kind of pass out a pamphlet or something? Sure, you've tried that a bit. You know, you smoke with the pilot coming home. I did. No, I I've, some think. of them, well, he certainly took the literature. He was up for, he probably watched the movie too. But I've, I've gone up right. to pilots when I was traveling making the movie who got really scared right. when I approached them and like looked absolutely terrified and said, do not hand mm-hmm. me that. We got up and walked away. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It was really weird. You don't want to be associated with it. So. Yeah, I was really freaked out. Um, well, you know, I really appreciated uh, what you're doing, and I think that it's important. Hopefully we can get some bigger, maybe we could find an investigative reporter, um, uh, possibly good. find um, a major uh, network news organization that would tell the story, like 60 Minutes or Frontline is my hope, or even CNN um, would be would my be dream. That would be my dream. Uh, we're going to keep dreaming while uh, while we can, right? We're, we're still here on the planet. Right. Um, well, and you know about- Cody's and uh, Stanton Peel, who are excellent writers. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Wait, who else besides Stanton? Uh, Lance Dotis and Stanton Peel. Oh, yeah. Hey, what about having him write something about the pilot thing? He writes for Huffington Post. I didn't even think about that until you just said it. That would be awesome. Who else yeah. was I supposed to introduce so. you to and forgot? Maybe we were talking about... There was... Oh, um, Lance Dotis. Oh, Lance, Lance, that's right. Okay, I'm going to write myself yeah. a note here. This is really important. You know, out there when you're listening, if you have ideas and you think where we can connect the dots here, um, like we just did by having this conversation, uh, let me write this down, Lance Dodies and Stanton, to ask people who write if they would um, interview you for, an, you know, anywhere, whether it's the Huffington Post or uh, there's actually some other people I'm thinking about right now who... Um, uh-huh. But yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, good. Wow. Was there a question or? No, nobody called in. They chickened out. There was somebody oh. there, and then it went away. Okay, we'll get one last oh. chance. We've got five minutes left. Quick question: eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. Eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. Um. It was uh, great meeting you in Berlin. It was great hanging out with you and, get, and being a little bit of a tour guide for us. Who, uh, was, you know, I didn't really. Yeah, it was really it was great. Fun. We went to one meeting, the AA meeting, on the first night. That was mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And it was good to see the reaction to the movie. Um, I was glad to see that uh, 99% of it was positive. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. And people seem genuinely interested, genuinely interested in the in the movie, and it seems like that one gentleman had a lot of uh, good ideas on how to continue, how to further promote your film. Oh, who was that? Uh, the guy from London. Oh you know? yeah, 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 that guy. And then there was a kid from you at UCLA. I haven't. Um, right. I got to recontact him. The UCLA guy who said he was uh, was studying there. See if we could show the film um, or like that, right, at the uh, people who are studying to get their master's in psychology. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or doctors or anyone. Right, anyone. Anyone, <laughs> anyone. anyone who will listen. Um, 
Uh, God, it's been well. It's a really good show. I'd just like to wrap it up and say that if you have any friends or anybody who's been extorted in this way, um, educate them. Um, send them to Facebook. Uh, my name is Monica Richardson. We're talking to Scott, and uh, he's on Facebook as well. And um, I have a deprogramming group, deprogramming from AA or any. Let's give a little plug for the groups. So some of them are open. Um, I created uh, some open groups that the public can find, which is Expose AA uh, and um, Alcoholics Anonymous Activism. And then the other mm-hmm. one is Say No to AA for DUI or professional extortion. And uh, we get the word out there. And um, so we'll talk again, and we'll keep keep things posted for me with your uh, GoFundMe out there if you're listening. Scott's going to create a GoFundMe, and it's not to pay for his groceries. It's going to be to pay for lawyers' fees because these lawyers, you know, it's hard. They want care. Yeah, they need some money. Yeah, I guess they got to pay their what? bills. Is, is there anything else you'd like to say? We've got a couple minutes. Uh, you want to wrap it up in some way? What you? Oh, um, just that I hope we can make a change. Um, there's got to be, you know, obviously a better way to do this. Um, there are people that get in trouble that you know need help of some sort. I, I would imagine. Um, I don't think AA is the way to go. Um, it's Dr. Lance Dodis, the uh, success rate, if you will, of AA's 5 to 10%. Yet it's being used as a de facto gold standard for treating this issue. So I would like to see more reasonable um, solution found, one that also takes into account the, the rights and privacy of people with licenses, including doctors and nurses. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's really bad with them, too. It's really bad. Yeah. I, I think if I could have on Lily Rose, that's her alias on Facebook, yeah. um, it would be a yeah. good show. And then, yeah, it's really bad with the three of you guys. It's uh, I guess it got in so early and very entrenched with AA. Uh, yeah. so uh, but somebody asked that question, like, is it happening with uh, yeah, 90 seconds um, warning? But uh, let me just see who he uh-huh. asked about. Firemen and, yeah, John Stewart asked, like, Oh, there was it... a fireman in our group. What's that? Yeah, there was a fireman in our um, rehab. There was also a doctor who was forced to go to rehab for 90 days. Mm. You know, because doctors are held to a higher standard, so it takes longer for them to achieve a cure, apparently. Which doesn't oh, really? make any sense but if you think about it. All right, folks. So. This is another show. We have Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery on um Blog Talk Radio. I'm Monica Richardson, I'm your host, and I'm gonna have a lot more shows this at the coming the end of the year. And I wanna thank you again, Scott, for being on the show and I will talk to you again really soon. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, we'll talk soon. Care. Bye bye. All right, folks, this is the end of the show, and I look forward to you if you want to reach out to me on Facebook or on Twitter, Monica Richardson or the 13 Step to Film or at 13 Stepping on Twitter. If you really want to hit me up and you don't know my email, it's at makeaasafer at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, we really want to create change. 
and we're going to have um, more professionals this coming year and next year. Again, you can see the 13th step. It's on uh, Amazon. Good night, everybody. Talk to you again.